0: Yes, we are now continuing our series in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. It's known as the chapter of faith. A lot of examples of people in the Old Testament that put their faith and trust in God in various situations. And so we're looking at them and seeing how they can encourage us in our walk. And so just sort of some three key words that i like to emphasize of when we're looking at Hebrews in chapter 11. These three words are hope. We have a hope in God's promises. He's given a promise and we have this hope that what he promised, it will happen. And then we have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we trust in God's word, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then endurance, perseverance. So we have a hope, a promise from God that we know that he will fulfill and he's true in that through his son Jesus Christ which is uh, the Lord and he, uh, so we can trust in God because we can trust in what Jesus has done and then that means we can endure life's challenges in life. The challenge that we have in life we know that God will prevail in that. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a little while, he who is coming will come, and will not delay, but my my righteous ones shall live by faith. If he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith in persevering, in the preserving of the soul. And so the reason we have these examples of these particular individuals that we're looking at, is they're supposed to be an example of how frail people put their trust in God, and God answered them. And they were successful. They had a victorious life, because they put their faith in God and not in themselves. And so they persevered because of the promises of God. They held on to the promise of God and God delivered them. And they came through. And so perseverance, enduring life. Can we endure life, endure the difficulties of life? Life is not supposed to be easy. When you become a Christian, it doesn't mean that you're going to have a smooth path. But God says, I'm going to be with you on that path and you will be victorious. Okay. There's a great Negro spiritual which goes like this. Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Joshua fit the battle of Jericho and the walls came cumbling down. Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, 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 Joshua hit the battle of Jericho and the walls came from tumbling down. You may talk about your men of Gideon, you may brag about your men of Saul, there's none like good old Joshua at the battle of Jericho. So, Joshua hit the battle of Jericho, 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 Joshua hit the battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. Well. Guess what the topic is today? Uh, Okay. Now. We're starting in Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to be looking at verses 29 through 31. By faith the people passed through the Red Sea. As on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so. They were drowned. Now that happened. When Israelites came out of Egypt. It took them 40 days they crossed crossed the Red Sea and then they were in the desert 40 days Moses got the Ten Commandments and they were getting ready to go over into the promised land they sent the spies out and they came back and they're just on the verge of going into the promised land they just had this great victory because they came out through the Red Sea on dry land and all the Egyptian army was killed and they're ready to go the next verse by faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the armies had marched around them for seven days. Now, this is interesting. There's hundred and fifty years between those two verses. No, no, excuse me. There's forty years between those two verses. Forty years. There's no mention of what we know as the time of the children of Israel walking around the desert. For 40 years. Because of their disobedience. What is this a chapter of? It's a chapter of faith. It's a chapter of obedience. So 40 years is just. Wiped out. From God's memory. Of retelling the story. Of the faith of Israel. That might help you understand. How God looks at us. Of where we fail. A lot of times. Yet God doesn't see that. So there's hope. <laughs> when we look at our lives, it, oh man, I really blew it. But somehow God has a particular type of memory that He can see us in the good light. But so here we are. We're going to look at by faith the walls of Jericho fell after the armies had marched around them for 70, 70 days, seven days. Now, just as a little historical fact, Around 200 years ago, everyone would, that read the Old Testament would say, Oh, Joshua, this story is very good. Archaeologists have seen the same things down there in the late 1700s, 1800s, and so they thought it was really, oh, Jericho, the walls fell down, and so everything's fine. And so they thought, This is a really good story and also can prove the Bible. Well, then some archaeologists just went down there in the 1950s and the 60s and started saying, Wait a minute, guys the timetable's all wrong. And so it began to be an evidence of being a sore thought a sore spot in biblical scholarship and those of us who believe in God's inherent word that this happened because now the archaeologists are coming back saying, well this happened way too early. This is supposed to have taken place in 1400 BC. And so this one archaeologist said, "Oh, that's not possible. It happened in 1550. So, Jericho wasn't even there. When the Israelites came out of Egypt, out of the desert, and came into Canaan land, Jericho was already destroyed. And so, this one particular archaeologist dominated all the literature for around 50 years. And so, it's just everyone can say, You can't believe this book because historically it's just filled with stories. Well another person came around in the late 90s, 1990s and started to relook at the excavations in Jericho and lo and behold he was digging and he found out, well look there's some things here that this other archaeologist had overlooked or discounted. He went back and checked the files and this one previous archae- archaeologist that set the dates at 1550 actually cheated, was dishonest. They were looking at pottery and different kinds of things. And so if you found a piece of pottery that fit her model, she would remember and catalog it. If it didn't fit it, she just threw it in a box. And so she just looked at all the archaeological artifacts that would support her theory because she didn't believe this in the first place. And so she established a theory that became the established understanding of, t- of the time the timeline. But this new archaeologist went back and started looking and took all these boxes that were just left in some museum. And he started pulling these out and found all these shrouds sh- uh, of uh, pottery. And what was it? It was from the 1400s. And also they found a lot of things that actually one of the most established archaeological sites in biblical uh, history is Jericho. The walls filled on, like I said. The, the city was under siege. But then there was storage in the city that would last for at least two years. But why did the walls fall down? It's It's amazing. In fact, there's even one portion of the wall that's left that didn't, get full, uh, didn't fall down because there's a woman that we're going to talk about a little later on, Rahab. Because the wall's still down and she had hidden the spies that had come through and she put a scarlet ribbon out her window. And when the Israelites came, they were given instructions, don't kill Rahab and her family because they'll have the scarlet ribbon there in her window or whatever. And they found a portion of the city that's still standing. Otherwise, the, the, like 80% or 90% of the wall fell down. But there's one portion that's still there. So they think they've even found the area where Rahab's house was. So this is it's exciting to see this is an actual story that took place. And it's an example. What I thought was interesting, when we look at the conquering of the promised land Joshua's life they took the Israelites several years to conquer the land there's many stories the book of Joshua is about that in the book of Hebrews Joshua's name is not mentioned the many years of conquering the promised land is not mentioned it's just the falling, falling of the wall and Rahab This 40-year gap between 29 and 30 was missing. Why was it missing? 40 years of wandering wilderness because of unbelief. So, let's look at that one little thing. It says this. Let us draw a lesson from the fact that these 40 years are not mentioned in this account of men and women who live victorious lives of faith. Let us not walk waste. Let us not walk waste our lives by walking in the desert when we could be enter- entering the promised land by faith, which is shown to be dy- dynamic by e- obedience, in turn enabling by the indwelling Holy Spirit. Let's not wander around in our desert lives for 40 years and not go into the promised land. Let's not waste our lives wandering in the desert. By faith, let's go into the promised land. In the Old Testament, Israel was looking for a promised land, while in the New Testament, we are looking for a promised life, a life Jesus promised in John 10.10 that was not just eternal life, but abundant life, even here and now. God has promised Israel a land of milk and honey, but but to wheat who are now in Christ by grace through faith he has promised us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So let me ask again, are you in the desert of disobedience? Are you in the heavenly promise promises by faith, living obedient, spirit enabled, abundant lives in Christ? So just at the beginning of this, that 40 year gap that we see between verses 29 and 30, should be an encouragement for us to make a choice. We don't need to wander around in this desert, but we can wander into the promise that God has given. So we'll continue now. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell, and after the army had marched around them for 70 days. Let's read the story of Jericho. We sung the great song, now let's... Look at the passage. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. So when we come to the story of in, in, in uh, Joshua, the people who lived in Jericho heard about the Israelites. And so they're at the gateway of Canaan where they're going to come where they have to come in if they're going to take this land. And so Jer- uh, Jericho is like the the gateway into Canaan. And so it's a very well fortified city. And it's probably of its time it was the most fortified city of the time. It is impregnable. Impossible. And so these people there's about 2 or 3,000 people that live there normally but probably because of the, the oncoming Israelites, there's probably many more thousands in the city. And they prepared for this siege, because in this archaeological finds, they find storehouses of corn. They had a natural springs inside the city itself, so they could have water and food. They could last for years, and the enemy could not breach the walls. So they're sitting there, they're They've heard about these Israelites. And there, there's a bunch of them. They estimate that the Israelite army. Is probably going to be. Or the, the company is over a million people. So this is a big group of people. But they can't get into their city. And so they're, they're up in their city. No one went in or out. Then the Lord said to Joshua. See I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Along with his king and its fighting men. Oh. You got them just where you want them. Joshua, I've given them to you. They're kings there and all their fighting men are in one place. You can't get to them, but there they are. March around the city once with the army, with all the army armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry the trumpets of rams, horns, in the front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear the... Sound the long blast of the trumpets. Have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the armor will go up. Everyone straight in. Now this is God's plan. I don't know what your plan would be of attack of a city. But this was God's plan. And so this strategy is something new. And so let's look at this. Here's what God said to do to conquer Jericho. Walk around the city in your armies once a day for six days. That really makes sense. We're going to march around the city six times, once a day. Have seven priests playing rams' horns, trumpets, led lead, lead lead by the army. Have the ark carried right behind the seven priests, followed by the second part of the army. Keep everyone quiet. Do not speak. So God says to jo- Joshua, get the troops out there, have the priest, seven, seven priests in front and the Ark of the Covenant and you have the, the army divided in two parts so they're walking around and the only thing that's happening is you hear footsteps in ram's horns. They're walking around. That's what they're supposed to do. This is a great strategy. On the seventh day, circle of Jericho seven times. On the, on the end of the seventh trip, the priests will play a long trumpet blast. Then everyone will shout, and the walls will fall, and you and you'll go in and conquer the city. Now, how many of you believe that? If that's what God told you to do, this is something where, okay, Joshua is a man of faith, and and, but what do you? If you're one of those soldiers, walk around. What do you think? Like, is there? Okay, well, okay, Uh, day two. This is really fun. Going back to camp, eat our. Little man or whatever it is. Next morning, get up and do it again. Now, are you thinking, there's something goofy here. But they kept doing it. There might have been doubts, but at least they were obedient. Great plan, right? Woo! Okay. Uh, Jericho, Jericho, us see. Jericho banned, okay, here we go. Jericho barred the way into Canaan. It was a massive fortress standing squarely astride the entrance into the promised land and blocking any advance. It was Satan's device for keeping the children of Israel from entering into their possession. It was formidable, it was a formidable obstacle and would have been so to a well-equipped, highly trained and well-seasoned army of Roman legionaries, let alone to Hebrews who were barely more than novice novices in the art of war. To them, Jericho was insurmountable. But that is exactly where faith triumphs. Human wisdom would have advocated the purchase of slings and catapults and the amassing of huge stockpiles of stones for ammunition. Human wisdom would have suggested digging trenches. To enable sappers to creep up to the walls and undermine them, human wisdom would have called for starving the people of Jericho in submission. If you're looking to capture a city, what would you do? You wouldn't march around one day, a week, one day at a time, seven, six days in a row, and then seventh days, seven times. This doesn't make any sense. You have to have strategy. How are we going to siege the city? Like. How many have heard of the town? What's that one town in, in Israel where uh, the Romans came and came? was so the 70 AD when the Romans were there. There's this one uh, plateau. There's this one plateau. Masada. 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 It's an impenetrable fortress. And so the Jew, Jewish rebels, the Maccabees, are up on top there and they can ward off the, the, the Roman legions. They have a well on top, they have food up on top. And they're up on this plateau, and you have to go up little paths to get there so they could easily stone them to get them up. What did the Romans do? It took them like two years, but they built a ramp. <laughs> they started putting dirt, and dirt, and more dirt, and more dirt. And they built a ramp to go up to this plateau. It's like, you know, 300 meters high. They just built a ramp. just, just took them two years. You yeah. have time. Pop, 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 pop. And then the Roman legion could walk up there and, t- and conquer them. So that's the normal way to siege an impenetrable, impenetrable fortress. But that's not what the Israelites did. That's not what God's plan was. By faith, but faith had a better way. Faith does not oppose Satan's devices with human devices. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. No, also when faith triumphs, faith triumphs after the walls of Jericho were compassed about seven days. <coughs> Only complete obedience to the word of God could deal with Jericho. So even absurd, as absurd as God's plan was, they were diligent and willing to be obedient to follow it. And what was the result? the walls fell down and they went straight in and conquered Notice the little word after. Walls of Jericho fell down. After. What's the point? What would have happened had they shouted after walking around one time, the first day? Walk around, "Ah!" nothing happens. Six times. Absolutely nothing. Partial obedience is always disobedience. God is not playing games with us. He wants total, wholehearted commitment. Perhaps you are not experiencing the abundant life Jesus promised in John 10.10. Could it be that you've only walked around your impregnable Jericho only six times? That you have given partial obedience, but hesitated to root out that cherished sin? Jesus wants all of our heart. Not 99%. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and body. And love your neighbor as yourself. That's a real simple conceptualized uh, instruction that God's given us of how He wants us to serve Him. 100%. Continue the story. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And the order of the army advance, march around the city, with an army guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guards marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets and the rear guard guard followed the ark. At this time the trumpets were sounding but Joshua had commanded the army do not give a war cry do not raise your voices do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout then shout. So he had the ark of the the Lord carried about the city circling at once. Then the armies returned to camp and spent the night there. Now, this is from the Jewish side; they did this from the Israel side. What are the people in Jericho thinking? They hear mm, 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 mm. no one's talking down there, so they're jeering at him. They're saying, "Oh, those scary cats! Come on, come and get us!" But there's a psychological warfare going on. Walk around, a million people walking around your little city. Then they go home and camp. They do that for six days. Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord, and the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord, and blowing trumpets. Sounds familiar. The armed men went ahead of them and the rear guard followed the ark while the trumpets kept sounding. On the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to camp. They did this for six days. So here you have these guys doing this, six days in a row. What what are we doing? If you're one of those Israelite soldiers, when are we we going to fight? Where are we going? On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that day they circled the city seven times. Now they estimate that it took approximately 30 to, to thirty minutes to an hour to walk around the city. And so they're taking them, you know, like this is a, this is a long day. They had, first they had a, like an hour day's work. Now they have, this is like a six hour day's work. Then the seventh time around, when the priest shouted the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, Shout! For the Lord has given you the city. And the city, all that is in it is to be, are to be devoured, uh, devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab, the prostitute, and all who are with her in the house are to be, shall be spared, because she hid the spies she sent. But keep away from the devo- devoted things, so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of the Israelites liable to the destruction and bringing trouble on it. All silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. So they were given some instructions when they were going to go in and, and take the, the city. That it was given to them, but they weren't supposed to take anything. The only thing that was supposed to be spared was Rahab and her family. When the trumpets sounded, the army shouted, and the sound of the trumpets, and at the sound of the trumpets, and when the gate the and when the men gave a loud shout, the walls collapsed. To everyone, so everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. The devoted they devoted the city of the, to the Lord and destroyed with a sword every living thing in it. Men, women, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkeys. Very brutal. Total destruction. We'll say, oh, that's God's mean. This is what happened. This is an obstacle between God will people resisted. So Israel conquered Jericho by faith and obediently following the Lord's command. Faith, obedience, trust and obey. There's a little more of the story. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, Go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath to her. So the young men who had gone sp- done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father and her mother, her brothers and sisters, and all who belonged to her. They brought out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. Then they burned the whole city and everything in it. But they put the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron into the treasure of the house of the Lord. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute and her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men of Joshua and sent, sent as spies to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. So here we have an interesting story. Rahab is also mentioned in this book in the chapter 11 of Hebrews as being a person of faith. Now she has a background, a history that many would say well she doesn't deserve to be in the place of faith. But she is. She's also very interesting where Something must have transformed this woman's life. She's the grandmother of David. Very interesting individual. God's grace and mercy. Doesn't matter what your life has been. God can take you and use you. And make you a new person. Your previous or current circumstances Does not hinder God from being able to use you because God is a gracious, loving, forgiving God. So Rahab and her family were saved by faith, believing the promises of deliverance. When she saved, hid the spies some days before, She was promised that she would be spared. And she was told to throw out a red ribbon, scarlet ribbon from her window so that they could know where she was and she would be spared and all that was in her house. So by faith the people passed through the Red Sea as on the dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so they were drowned. Then 40 years of silence. By faith the walls of Jericho fell after the armors had marched around them for seven days. By faith the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Jericho is a picture of this evil world opposed to God. Either you are by faith on God's side with some Jericho in your life that needs to be conquered. Or you are comfortably living in Jericho thinking you are safe but you're headed for destruction whether you know it or not. So either right now you are one of the people with the following the Ark of the Covenant walking around Jericho, which is a obstacle in your living in God's promised land. Or you're standing on the wall looking at these stupid people walking around in your security. You have grain and water. You can last for two years. You can last so. You can outlast those people. You're secure. Whichever describes your situation, the key to victory is faith. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his death on the cross in your place will deliver you from the coming destruction. If you're in God's camp, faith in his mighty power will give you victory over the intimidating enemies that threaten to destroy you. With great opportunities disguised as insoluble problems. What great opportunities disguised as insoluble problems do you face? God has whatever resources you need to overcome them. Trust Him. God's provided for you if you're Rahab. You've seen the light and He's promised that He'll deliver you from the day of destruction. If you put His faith and trust in you. put out that ribbon, that chrism red ribbon. That blood-colored ribbon out for salvation. It's so a picture. When we look at it as Christians, we see, well that talks about the blood sacrifice of Christ. She's saved because she's putting her faith and trust in that expression of trust in that sacrifice. Whether God has whatever resources you need to overcome them. So the challenge to you is, are you willing to trust God and stand upon His promises? That's why we have this book of Hebrews. It's encouraging us to endure, to be able to persevere in difficult times because we hold fast to the promises that God has given For God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If I believe in my heart and with my mouth Jesus Lord, I am saved. Have you put your faith and trust in God? I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. That's that promise God has given He wants to give us an abundant life. So I want to encourage you to trust him. Hope in God's promises. It will happen. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to put your trust in God's word. Endurance. You persevere because you hold, you have hope in hope and faith in God. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence which has a great reward for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God you may receive what was promised for yet in a little while he who is coming will come and will not delay but my righteous one shall live by faith and if he shrinks back my soul is not pleased with him but we are not those who shrink back to destruction We are not those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. The Lord Jesus promised that he would come back and return. He said that he's preparing a place for us. He said that he will not leave us as orphans. He'll send the Holy Spirit. He sent the Holy Spirit, which indwells each one of us that believe in him. So we also can Believe that he is going to return. And that if we meet him here now or we meet him in the air in heaven, he's prepared a place for us. Do you believe? He's promised that as we walk through life, he will give us strength to endure. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Dear Father, just thank you so much for these words of encouragement we've received from Hebrews today. I pray that each one of us will make that decision and hold fast to your promises and put our faith and trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen.